Good morning, Minecrafters, and welcome to episode 23, Weatherproofing and Emotional Trainers. So today we're going to go get going with, a, you know, the first conversation, because I'm predicting there will be more, on, on how to not sweat the small stuff, you know, because when it comes down to it, you know, with, with few exceptions, it's really all small stuff, right? And we get so worked up and so crazy, just overreacting and when stuff just doesn't warrant that kind of, of energy. And, you know, especially in the good old U.S. of A., and I love my country, we fly around like gerbils on crack, don't we? Rush, rush, rush. And not only are we hurrying and hustling all over the place, we find it important to talk about how busy we are and how much we're hurrying and rushing all over the place. And, you know, often we actually think this is productive, right? We we think we're solving problems. We think we're taking care of business. In reality, we're compounding it. We're compounding the issues. You know, we've also talked about how we're creatures of habit, right? So when we are met with any kind of adversity, anywhere along the spectrum, you know, I'm a big fan of spectrums, right? So so something really small, an annoyance, blown tire, somebody's, you know, 45 minutes late that throws our whole game at work or it's a date or whatever, all the way to big stuff, Big stuff. Find out you need to have a biopsy on something because the cells don't look just right. It's so important to save our energy for the big, big, big stuff, which we usually actually get through. And instead, but we waste so much energy on, on seemingly ridiculously small things that in the end, you know, is it all worth it really? As far as we know, this life, this wonderful life we have is not a dress rehearsal. This is the big game. This is it. And it's, it's really time to kind of you know, make a decision to let most of it go, most of it go. And there's a series of books I began reading, I want to say a couple of decades ago, a very, very long time anyway, I'm not sure. I've kind of just kind of re-gotten into them, which is so fun because especially at a different life stage, you know, even when we read something, you know, five years ago, we're going to have a different view and different perspective on things. And Richard, Richard Carlson, I mean, wow, does he have it down? He has this book series on don't sweat the small stuff, and it's dot, 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 and it's all small stuff. That is so the truth. Unless, God forbid, you get a phone call or pulled into a room that there's cancer somewhere or a, or a horribly tragic car accident, the rest of it just, it, it's just, it is, it's small. It's, it's very, very small. It doesn't mean not to take care of it, address it, share feelings, of course. It's just we're talking about the proportion of energy and and the, an investment in something should really kind of match what the issue is. In which case, we will have the energy we need when there's something, you know, let's say moderate along the spectrum. It's very important. We just blow all kinds of, you know, just steam on stuff that just doesn't matter. And William James, remember the founder of psychology, I was telling you, I forget it was the episode, last episode or the episode before that, what, an, what a good person he was, you know. End of the 1800s, he did really good things when it wasn't easy, you know, to stand up for women and things like that. And he says, the greatest discovery of my generation is that a human being can alter his life by altering his attitude. Isn't that the truth? And as far as becoming the boss of our brain, which is what, you know, the Minecraft podcast series is all about, re- remember that thoughts come first and feelings come second. It, this is such a wonderful thing because, again, it gives us agency. It gives us control to know that we can learn to practice thought control and change our entire life around one day, one hour, one minute, one second at a time. It's the best. You know, and Rich says this, you know, whenever we're dealing with bad news, a difficult person or a disappointment of some kind, 
most of us get into certain habits, just like we talked about, right? We're so habitual as human beings. And we react to life, particularly adversity, that just they don't serve us well. We often overreact, blow things out of proportion, hold on too tightly. That's a big one. We often just dig in, right? And focus on the negative aspects of life. And you know, we talked about this, well, we have talked about this in several episodes, how much easier it is to focus on the negative. And this is primal. This is, you know, this is wired into our hard drives. It takes more effort to, to, to make this shift, right? Because habits are not broken or made, they shift. To shift out of this into a more positive way of thinking. So then Rich continues, when we are immobilized by little things, when we're irritated, annoyed, and easily bothered, our overreactions, reactions and overreactions, not only make us frustrated, but actually get, get in the way of what we want. And, you know, Rich says, but by doing so, we lose sight of the bigger picture. We focus on the negative and annoy other people who might otherwise help us. In short, we live our lives as if there were one big emergency. And here's a kicker, right? When we're busy reacting, remember ra- reacting is different than responding. Reacting is system one thinking, knee jerky, and, and system two is more slowed down and responsive. So there's reacting and then there's overreacting, like we're in volcano mode. And sometimes we really think on some level that that's going to be productive. And often when we look back, you know, it really didn't work out so well for us. Um, it, so really to practice, remember, practicing gets us better at anything we do. Practicing slowing that thinking down and letting go of things be so much better, such a more pleasant life experience. You know, sometimes you're on a podcast, I wish I could do like uh, when you're at a a present, like a webinar or something, you can do a poll of the audience. I would love right now to poll all of you and see who can remember a moment where you lived the situation as if it were like a four alarm fire, an emergency or a DEFCON 4, right? Ready to nuke everybody. And it turned out to either not be what you thought at all or just not worth all that, you know, just crazy momentum and attention. And I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that it's probably a lot of you, including myself. You know, we've all been in volcano mode. And that typically happens when we think with our feelings, right? We think with our emotions instead of slowing it down, you know, kind of gathering the facts kind of thing. And I'm not saying that's easy. Obviously, if it were easy, we'd all be better at it. So we're, you know, zipping around like gerbils on crack in this really disillusioned mode that all this chaotic energy, for lack of a better wording, because that's exactly what it is. We actually think we're being productive or getting somewhere, trying to make ourselves look busy, or just making ourselves be busy when it's unnecessary, thinking we're solving problems we're really not, often compounding them. And then Rich says that because everything seems like such a big deal, we kind of make it into such a big deal, we end up spending our lives dealing with one drama after another. No freaking thank you. And then, of course, as this becomes habitual, right, we start this gets into our belief system. So after a while, we actually begin to believe that everything really is a big deal. We actually think everything's a, you know, a four-alarm fire when, in fact, it isn't. And we fail to recognize that the way we relate to our problems has a lot to do with how quickly and efficiently we solve them. And then he says, I hope, as I hope you'll soon discover, when you learn the habit of responding, right, we're talking about this, responding to life with more ease, problems that seemed insurmountable will begin to seem more manageable. And even the biggies, things that are truthfully, you know, like for real, real stressful, won't throw us off track as much like as they once did. So this is what Rich refers to as weatherproofing. And it's, you know, it's one of these habits that, you know, not a favorable habit that when we're in this sort of chaotic, frenzied, hurried, gerbil on crack mode, 
you know, that we, that we do, and it's not healthy and it's not pleasant. We, instead of, um, of course it can manifest in many ways, but this weatherproofing thing is about seeking out the sort of the cracks, crevices, problems, brokenness in someone else when, because that's easier, right? Rather than look at what's going on in us that has us emotionally running, having us, having us not wanting to feel what we're feeling, not trying to think what we're thinking in this just, I think of the Tasmanian devil and it's like, whoa, 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 just kind of flying around, not in touch with ourselves. And it's so much easier to kind of focus on other people and what's wrong there. So Rich explains that just as we can weatherproof a home for the winter by looking for cracks and leaks and imperfections, we can also weatherproof our relationships, even our lives, by doing the very same thing. Think about this, huh? He says, essentially, weatherproofing means that you are on the careful lookout for what needs to be fixed or repaired. It's finding the cracks and flaws of life and either trying to fix them or at least point them out to others. Here's another, you know, make pretend opportunity to poll all of you. So, you know, just wherever you are, just think about this. Have you have you ever caught yourself weatherproofing, you know, someone else looking for the cracks in them, looking for the splinter looking for the the chip or some you know broken piece of a brick you know kind of thing think of a house have you ever caught yourself doing that and second part of the poll is have you ever ever contemplated why you're doing that when you when you caught yourself so rich says that not only does this tendency alienate you from other people it makes you feel badly too it encourages you to think about what's wrong with everything and everyone what you don't like so rather than appreciating our relationships and our lives, weatherproofing encourages us to end up thinking that life isn't all it's cracked up to be. Nothing is ever good enough the way it is. And now I ask you, you know, who wants to live like that? You know, and this is where mindfulness also comes in again and gratitude because when we take quiet time each day, and for me, as you know, I use a gratitude journal every single day of my life with a few times you miss because, you know, but rarely, it's rarely. And when we start to... Uh, you know, have a grateful attitude or attitude of gratitude, right? Writing three, thing da- three things down quickly if you want to every day. By having that gratitude, we attract more good into our lives. It's, it's real. We can see gratitude when we put an fMRI in someone's head and we can see, you know, changes in thinking. Neurons that wire together, fire together. And, you know, as far as, you know, not thinking life is all it's cracked up to be and that nothing's ever good enough the way it is. That is such, that's 100% attitude and it can be changed. That's the beauty, you know, change your attitude, change your life. And we've also been talking about in the past couple of episodes about learning to let the good in because this can be so uncomfortable for some people, especially if you grew up in a home where uh, it was dysfunctional or maybe abusive, or it was maybe somewhere in the middle and you just didn't get the kind of, I didn't get enough love, the amount of love you needed. And certainly if you are mistreated in any way, this can be, take some work to become comfortable with the uncomfortable for a while until you're, you're able to, to really um, learn to let the good in and learn to be okay with this very different feeling for you. So as far as relationships go, because this is a biggie for relationships, so many people get into this sort of, uh, not so good habit of looking for faults. And Rich says, in our relationships, weatherproofing typically plays itself out like this. You meet someone and all is well. You are attracted to his or her appearance, personality, intellect, sense of humor, or some combination of these traits. 
Initially, you not only approve of your differences with this person, you actually appreciate them. You might even be attracted to the person, in part because of how different you are. You have different opinions, preferences, tastes, and priorities. And you'll have to tell you, this is a very good opportunity for me to very honestly and very humbly admit to all of, all of you, all of my wonderful listeners out there, that I've occasionally fallen into this, and so has my husband. In fact, uh, next week, we will be celebrating our 30th wedding anniversary. That's, of course, if he plays his cards, right? We do have another week and a half-ish to go. Um, and you do notice, you know, we really don't argue all that often. And when we do, it's about ridiculous things. Like, you know, he has this chain sneezing habit and he has this nose touching habit. And it, it bothers him when I clear my throat. These are ridiculous. But like you get into these habits when you just become hyper vigilant of, you know, somebody chain sneezing or you become hyper vigilant. And it can get, every once in a while, it can get a little heated because it just gets so sensitive. And it's important at these moments to kind of become aware, reel it in, go on a walk, which doesn't always work, but it works a lot, honestly, um, when we prioritize this and just get out of Dodge and kind of reel it back in. And what is this saying about, you know, my own stress level or my own nervousness or my own whatever that I'm getting worked up over, you know, a sneeze or for him, you know, a throat clearing or something. It's just so, so silly. So Rich goes on to say that after a while, however, you begin to notice little quirks about your new partner or friend or teacher or whomever that you feel could be improved on. Isn't that the truth? You bring it to their attention. You might say, you know, you sure have a tendency to be late or I've noticed you don't read very much. The point is you've begun what inevitably turns into a way of life, looking for and thinking about what you don't like about someone or something that isn't quite right. Now, we're talking about this kind of on the lower end of the spectrum of this. Later, probably next season, actually, I plan to do a podcast on codependency, which is kind of this to extreme. It's kind of like saying, you know, I love you, now change. And I'm pretty sure there's a book called that out there somewhere, because obviously, um, we really need to love someone exactly how they are, and we can only change ourselves. So on a way, at a way bigger level than what we're talking about today, that would lead into codependency. Right now we're talking about a just a kind of shifting a, f- a focus off of this habit, this very, you know, bad, unhealthy habit that you know, actually does the opposite, right? If we really care about this person, even if they're not a partner necessarily, they're a best friend or a sibling or you know, uh, like a teacher, work, uh, a work coworker, colleague, whatever, it actually does, you know, it pushes people away. I mean, who wants to, you know, it alienates us. Who wants to be told to change, even if it's subtly, you know, it's, it's judgment and judgment, you know, hurts people. Judgment sucks. No one likes it. You know, we're not talking about an occasional comment or um, occasional criticism that's constructive and helpful and beneficial to someone. That's different. That's being loving. Um, and I'm thinking of um, a dear friend of mine, again, who happens to be a priest. I've mentioned Father Mike before. He used to say to me or, uh, oh, frequently, you know, you got to say how you feel. We're talking about like a, when you're in a relationship with somebody, partners-wise, best friend-wise, you know, sibling, whatever. You got to say how you feel. That's important. However, he says, always with honesty and kindness, you know, with honesty and kindness. And the truth can hurt. So we're not saying that. That's different. And, you know, it, uh, 
the truth can hurt. So, so the constructive criticism thing is sort of, of different when it's, you know, said lovingly. We're talking about, you know, kind of having a target on somebody and looking for faults habitually, you know, kind of like an accountant looks for errors on somebody's tax form. You know, they're looking for those on purpose. So Rich says, um, when you are weatherproof, when you are weatherproofing, it is a little hard to say, another human being, it's important to realize that it says nothing about them, but it does define you as someone who needs to be critical. That's really important because here's the thing, wonderful listeners, you know, when we, when people are walking out there being, again, like critical as a, as a lifestyle, right, and judgment, then the thing is that broken people often try to break other people. Hurt people often try to hurt people. So if that's going on with you, with someone else, right, it's important to look within because the source is really on the other side of your skin. And that's what we're trying to point out here. And lastly, Rich says, you know, whether you have a tendency to weatherproof your relationships, certain aspects of your life or both, what you need to do is write off weatherproofing as a really bad idea. As a habit creeps into your thinking, catch yourself and seal your lips. I'm just thinking right now that that's what's said out there. You used to say it like if you were out at a bar in college, but loose lips sink ships. So, so true. The less often you weatherproof your partner or friends, the more you'll notice how super your life really is. And then Rhonda Burns says, you can change any relationship right now by looking for the things you love, appreciate, and are grateful for in that person. When you make a deliberate effort to look for the things you love more than you notice negative things, a miracle will, miracle will take place. It will appear to you as though something incredible has happened to the other person. And then she gets into talking about the force of love and it's not my job in this podcast to bring up religion or anything like that. I'm not doing that. I think we're all aware of the force of love itself and make that whatever you want it to be with your own belief system. Um, because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about harnessing that force of love, you know, just thinking like Star Wars, right? Um, the force be with you, the force of love that kind of bonds us all together. And for me, that's very much an action word. You know, people are saying it's a feeling too, but it's really action. It's like making a choice to do something that may not be easy or comfortable. And you know, when somebody's being challenging and annoying, um, and we're going to take this another step uh, further later on. We talk about um, trying to make it a habit to to let others be right most of the time. That's hard, man. That's ego talking. We want to be right. But all we're talking about is making a conscious choice to do what is maybe a little uncomfortable. It maybe takes a lot of effort, especially if this person is particularly annoying. And, you know, it's about kind of taking the high road. And I also want to be very clear here. We're talking about regular relationships, regular marriages or long-term relationships, long-term best friendships, long-term siblingships, whatever like that. We are not talking about the toxics because that is a whole nother conversation about narcissistic injury and, you know, more severe behavior um, that can, you know, destroy relationships and, you know, break spirits. That's a whole nother conversation. We're talking about regular challenging people regular annoyances, things like that. And so what we're saying with Rhonda Byrne here is that she's supporting what Rich just said, which is that when we're critical and focusing on the negative and we're, we're weatherproofing, right? Weather, that is so hard to say. 
when we are weatherproofing, looking for the cracks, looking for the missing caulk in the window, we have to put it back because the winter's going to come and it's going to leak and whatever like that. It's the same for her. She's saying when we're doing this, it's not about the other person. It's about us. That is the main point here. And then this is what's very cool. So this is where we step out of the weatherproofing, or not really step out, step, you know, forward. And to um, when when these annoying or challenging people or people we love so much but have annoyances, like there's lots of stuff we love about them, but they've got some things that are just hard to take, how we can change our thinking, which, again, I love that because that means we're taking control, which is my feel just feels better, right? That we can choose to look at these annoying, challenging people as our own personal emotional trainers. I love this. I also really like how uh, Rhonda talks about, you know, when we do make this shift of thinking to personal emotional trainers, you know, I think of running around in, you know, yoga pants or being in a gym with somebody hovering over me saying, you know, three more reps or something like that. When we look at them as people we can grow from, learn from, become, and the gym idea becomes stronger from, when it does, she says, uh, you know, it take it can take the sting out of you know these confrontational or difficult relationships. And ever since I've read this, I've really given that some thought, and that is so true, because it takes away control from them. Well, the I should rephrase the control we've given them. We take our own control back, and we're happier, happier people for it for sure. We, when we have our own agency, we are feeling whole and complete, and won't behave that way either. So she says, um, some people may be soft personal emotional trainers because they don't push you very hard and they're so easy to love. Some people may be tough personal emotional trainers because they push you to your limits. As some personal trainers, or is that, oh, sorry, so she says, she says as some personal physical trainers do. So I picture again that, that trainer hovering over me saying, you know, four more reps and you're ready to just, you know, you're ready to like throw in the towel, right? Push, push, push. And then she says, but they are the ones who are making you stronger to choose love no matter what. So these, um, the tougher ones, again, like the personal physical trainer, they make us stronger and more apt to choose love no matter what because they're strengthening our love muscle. Rhonda says that personal emotional trainers can use all kinds of situations and tactics to challenge you. But the thing to remember is that every challenge is presented so you will choose love and turn away from negativity and blame. Some trainers may challenge you to judge them or others, but don't fall for that trap. Judgment is negative and it's not giving love. So if you can't love the good in someone or something, she says simply turn away. And again, we're talking about love as a force here. So I'm not commenting on any kind of anybody's religion. It all fits just the love right in there. Religions across the globe are talking about love, all different ways, shapes, and sizes, but it's really the same theme. Um, so that's really what we're talking about is embracing that force. May the force be with you kind of love. And she says, uh, some trainers may test you by provoking you to feel revenge, anger, or hatred. And aren't those tempting, huh? Is it you know, Shakespeare, right? Revenge is sweet. Uh, you know, and obviously just for a short time because karma-wise, you know, that we know how revenge works, right? It bites you right in the ass. So she says, turn away by looking for the things you love in life. Some trainers may even hit you with guilt, feelings of unworthiness or fear. Don't fall for any of them because negativity of any kind is not love. I love that. And think about, you know, good people, 
might be parents or, you know, partners, whoever, good people often do that guilt thing, right? To try to manipulate that us. So, so guilt is, can be used, obviously. And that manipulation is just another way to say control. So they're trying to take control and we often kowtow and hand it over on a silver platter, a very beautiful silver platter or China, gorgeous China. So we're giving our control away. So really this is about acknowledging that and taking it back, right? Then she says, if you imagine the people in your life as your personal emotional trainers, it will help you with any difficult relationships. And I can tell you that's the truth, honestly. And I frequently have talks with my best friend from growing up, who I've mentioned a bunch, and she's also mentioned one of my TED Talks. And we check in about this stuff very, very frequently when, you know, just challenging uh, people come into our lives. And, you know, Instead of looking at it as, you know, what's what's going on with them, what's wrong with them. And sometimes we do that because sometimes it is that. However, the high majority of the time, it's like, okay, what am I supposed to be learning here? Is it something I'm not getting? And this actually just has me thinking of a very funny conversation I had with my best friend from college's brother, my roommate. And I was friends with, or am, not am, I mean, not was, am friends with him, you know, uh, in his own right. We all went to college together. And I saw him recently, you know, as grownups, right, a few years ago. And he was, we were at a barbecue or something. And he said, wow, he said, Kim, he said, you know what? We were on this conversation, actually. And he said, I can't believe we're talking about this because he proceeded to tell me about a very, very challenging individual where he works, just driving him absolutely crazy and for all the right reasons, quite honestly. And he, he, he said, I prayed right then and there. And I said, God, please help me to learn how to deal with, you know, annoying, challenging people. And then and I said, okay, so what, what happened, Billy? And he said, what do you think happened? God sent me more challenging people. <laughs> I just, I roared because that is, that was just like spontaneous. It's just a conversation. That is so how it happens. It's just like this law of attraction thing. You know, it's like the universe wants us to get a lesson. They want us to get it, whatever it is, right? We need to get it and until we get it. We keep, Getting, you know, the, the lesson kind of keeps showing up, I guess, is the best way to say it. So Rhonda continues to say that it's the tough trainers who make you stronger and determined to choose love no matter what. But they're also giving you a message, right? Like we just talked about. It's like being in school and, you know, having to repeat that math list. Like, we're not getting it, so we're doing it over. It's a redo. So she says they're telling you that you've gotten yourself onto a negative feeling frequency and you need to feel better to move off it. No one can come into your life and affect you negatively unless you are already on the same negative feeling frequency. That is so true. It's kind of like when people say they took this, they took that. No, they didn't take that. Not usually. You know, we, again, we don't polarizations don't exist in life. We we typically give away our power. We don't know we're doing that, but that's what we're doing, which is what she's saying. Then she says, if you're on a feeling, if you're on a feeling frequency of love, it won't matter how tough or negative someone is. They will not and cannot affect you. I'm just going to repeat that. That is just so important. If you're on a feeling frequency of love, this means we're feeling whole and complete, right? It won't matter how tough or negative someone else is. They will not and cannot affect you. Food for the spirit right there. You know, so when we, when we look at, at challenging, difficult personalities as having this job, she said it's important to revisit that. You know, just when we, 
realize that each of these annoying people or good people we love, 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 but are having annoying you know, behaviors going on or challenging behaviors going on, revisit that place that reminds us that each person is just doing their job, just as you are doing your job of being a personal emotional trainers to others. And I know we don't like to think of ourselves as annoying, do we? Of course not. We are that person for somebody else. And we're, you know, pushing them into a growth spurt, um, most probably uh, unaware of it. But to remember that we're all making each other kind of, we're not making kind of um, encouraging growth in each other. So she says there are no enemies they're only some of the great personal emotional trainers and some really tough personal emotional personal emotional trainers who are making you great. That is absolutely true. My, again, my only disclaimer here, which is a conversation for later, is those who are truly toxic. You know, the, the toxics are, are a whole other category because the narcissists of the world, um, uh, you know, they're not going to, you know, they are uh, – emotional samurais and not going to change more than likely. So that's a whole other conversation. So the thing is, remember that, look at, look at the challenging annoyances, the challenging people, challenging people, annoying people in our lives as, as, as uh, encouraging us to roll into a spiritual growth spurt. That's what we're talking about. Okay. So now Minecrafters, uh, all that said, we want to drive the point home would be the boss of your brain. Actually, with my students, they get buttons. My Minecraft students get buttons of the brain. It says, be, you know, be the boss of your brain. Because think about it. Thoughts come first and feelings come second, right? So the only choices are we control our thoughts or our thoughts control us. And I ask you, once again, which is more pleasant? And remember that it takes awareness, first of all, right? We have to be aware of something before we can actually do it. Because we can't do what we don't know. And then once we, we become aware, we kind of become responsible, like take it on, bring it on, right? And we learn to control our thinking because we practice and practice and practice. And whatever we practice, we inevitably get good at. And one, one last thing, mind, mind crafters, I really want to let you know how much I appreciate all of you. And I, I, just, I just decided at this minute it's going to be Minecraft Podcast Listener Appreciation Day because I've had... A bunch of com- countries listening. Obviously, the, about two thirds were were from were are were or are from the U.S. Then the next big bunch of listeners from Australia, quite a few from the U.K. and then Canada. And I had a, a couple of smaller percentages, I think, from Jamaica and Iceland. Uh, listen to this. I woke up this morning and we've got um, Germany, Danka, Germany, New Zealand, France, Merci, Netherlands, Israel, Malaysia, South Africa, Italy, Grazia Mille. Finland, Colombia, muchas gracias, Mexico, muchas gracias, Sweden, Philippines, Indonesia, Denmark, Austria, Egypt, Turkey, Jamaica, Poland, Jankulie, Poland, Iceland, Ireland, Norway, Portugal, and Qatar. Wow. And I actually have a, a it's more of a hobby, but I just love languages. And I speak a, um, a, very, a decent amount of Spanish, a decent amount of Italian. I've got, I play around with a few others. And I just feel like I want to be able to say thank you uh, to all of you. Um, in your own language. And that's going to be fun for me because I'm going to like look it up and each week I'm going to try to say thank you to a different country because that's important to me. I want to, I really want you to know that I appreciate you listening and this is just fantastic. Um, I'm just woke up happier than Halloween. I'm going to tell you that those of you that aren't from the U S Halloween is my absolute all time favorite holiday. 
So instead of saying happier than Christmas, which I also like, I say happier than Halloween. So thank you for for listening, Minecrafters. And on that note, I'm going to say this is Kimberly Quinn signing off from Northern Vermont. Have a mindful day. Uh-huh.